You are about to hear a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au. And be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available. Bless the Lord. Amen. Are you ready this morning? I said, are you ready this morning? Uh, if you brought your, who brought their Bibles with them this morning? Hold your Bible up if you brought your Bible with you. Hold it right up so everybody can see. Amen. Bless the Lord. Just hold it right up. You know, this, some of you hold your phones up. That's all. Bibles in there. Take it this way. You know, the, the reason I want you to hold it up, because I want you to, to understand how preeminent the Word of God must be in your life. Holding up the Word of God. The Bible says to, to, to in fact, Paul says to, to Timothy, hold out the truth. Hold it out. There's something incredibly powerful uh, in the Word of God, and I think that's something that we need to understand, that the, the doorway to living a supernatural life is locked within the pages of this book. Amen? So, uh, amen. Just Let's just pray as we start this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I bless you. I pray that you would just open our hearts and guard our minds. That you would release us, Lord God, into the fullness of what you called us to be and called us to do. When I look at the movies that are out at the moment and over the last decade, in fact, if you look at television, you'll discover a couple of things, that there's an incredible rise towards the supernatural scene that exists. Superhero movies like the MCU and DC, you've got superheroes like Batman, who are, is not really a superhero, he's just a, a guy, right? But, but generally, when you start, the fascination of our society is towards superheroes that have, that have supernatural powers, right? The emphasis has been even greater today than ever had been. And so when you consider that, when you look at that, and I, and I kind of survey, um, you know, Christianity today for a lot of people in this sort of practical, pragmatic way, the way we live in God, sometimes we can look at the supernatural as some kind of a fantasy or a fictional concept. It's easy enough to accept that these superheroes are just movies and novels and all that stuff. But deep inside the core spirit of our society, there is a deep connection towards supernatural things. Let me just go back really quickly to let you know that your salvation is supernatural. When you got saved, some of you may have had some outward manifestation of being healed as a result of getting saved. I know people that have been drug addicts for so long, when they got saved, the addiction left them. That's supernatural. That's the doctor didn't give you a pill and you got better all of a sudden. And I know that over the years I've seen people in different ways experience God in supernatural ways. And what gets me a lot of times is that there, there, there's this 
pendulum in Christianity between what's called the cessationalists. How many have heard that terminology before? These are Christians who believe that the miracles and signs and wonders ended in the book of Acts. That we no longer today are in the dispensation where God is still performing miracles. And then you've got the high Pentecostal to this extreme that says unless you are experiencing all these things, you may not be walking with God. I'm going to say to you that it's not a matter of having a middle ground. But I believe that Christianity is being able to understand the tension between the two. And being able to walk the line of continuing to be supernatural, naturally. It's not about trying to be supernatural. It's about being supernatural in every aspect of your life. And so this is really highly important for us to understand because this whole series of messages that I've been speaking to is not about being gifted in healing people or having a prophetic word because oftentimes in the church over the last so many decades there has been such an emphasis that unless you can prophesy or heal the sick, you're not walking supernaturally. I'm going to take away the veil of or, or the filter that we have of what the supernatural looks like. Amen. Are you hearing me? You doing okay? Jesus was a great example of what it meant to live supernaturally. He was a normal human being. And within him, he embodied the fullness and the presence of God and his kingdom. And yet he was able to walk on the earth naturally. He ate food like you eat food. He slept like you slept. And yet he was not disconnected or removed from the supernatural, and yet he was not detached from earthly things. He respected his parents. He grew up as a normal child. He learned how to build. He became a carpenter. And yet, when it came to the ministry, when God needed him to operate in a way that was outside of the natural realm, he didn't kind of sort of go into you know, a major, he didn't go to his prayer, prayer closet and, God, I hope you, it works. I hope it works. He didn't, he didn't have to work himself up to, to kind of pray for people. He didn't say, oh, I better get my life right just in case I haven't got it right. I better, he didn't, he didn't have to do that. He was naturally in the moment of the supernatural. Constantly. It wasn't an on and off switch. Like some Christians, I, I, I get called out from time to time when somebody, you know, needs help spiritually, particularly when, when, when there's um, probably the best way to explain when, when people are experiencing or when they're in the midst of uh, some demonic attack or demonic activity. And a lot of times I get called in the middle of the night and say, someone here is manifesting demonically, Pastor, if you could come and help. And, and I would take people with me from time to time. Uh, your, your dad, Justin, I used to wake him up in the middle of the night. 
and take him to this. And Justin, what are you doing? He goes, I'm in my pajamas. I said, wake up. I said, geez, we're going to go cast some devils out, you know. Um, and I remember those moments. But when I've already taken certain people out, sometimes, it, you know, you, you got to get into the mode. And then something, I better pray. I better just. What I love about Jesus was Jesus didn't have to do, he didn't have an orchestra for him. He was natural at home eating with his disciples and washing their feet and natural at home, you know, just walking along the Sea of Galilee, getting to someone's boat and preaching. He was naturally at home to walk past and people get healed without him even praying for them. And it was naturally at home when a woman touched him, they had this garment and power came out of him. He was natural at home to just say to the centurion, as you said, your servant is healed. There was no method that he, and then there's no ritual he had to go through to, to lock into the spirit. Sometimes we do this, and we do this in church too sometimes. You may not know it, but we all do it. Y'all do it. I do it. Sometimes, you know, I come to church and like, maybe my head's messed up. Maybe I had a fight in the car with my family, and they're not even in my car. I'm just in my mind fighting with them, right? So, you know, you, you, drive, you drive into the car park, and sometimes, you know, you're not in the moment, and, and sometimes I just can't wait for worship to come, and, and sometimes worship comes, and not even there. You know, Jesus was always on. He didn't need church to get him going. He didn't need a, 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 a preacher to give him a shot in the arm. He, you know, he didn't need to turn on, you know, you know, kitchen TV to give him his weekly dose of, of more scripture. Jesus was always on. So that's what a supernatural activity is. You have to turn it on and off. But the problem is that we often experience roadblocks in the supernatural. Not because we mean to do this, oftentimes it's because there are things that happen in our world that continually distance us from what God has called us to do. You doing okay? Did you get this out real clear? So why live a supernatural life? Because Jesus showed us what it means to be man and supernatural. Think of the prayers that Jesus prayed. He said, the Lord prayer, thy kingdom come, your will be on earth as it is in heaven. What was Jesus saying? He's saying this earth needs the system of the kingdom. Amen. He says, I only do what I see my father do and I only speak what I hear my father speak. He says, in the natural, and those in the natural he draws his revelation from the supernatural. You get me? Right? So, Jesus again says this, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And then he continues to say, for heaven suffers violence, and the violence take it by force. What does that say to us about Jesus? Though he was living in our natural world, seeing things with his natural eyes, he could see at the same time, with spiritual eyes. It's almost as if he was 
an observant participant. He's participating in our world, and yet he was transcendent of our world. He knew that he's, he doesn't belong. How do we know that? Because he says, my kingdom is not of this world. And in the last prayer that Jesus prayed, you know what he prayed to his disciples? Like, he said to the Father, they're mine. They're not of this world. Otherwise, the world would love them. Oh, come on, somebody. Jesus, when he prayed for his disciples, and you and me, we, Jesus, because of the brand of God in your life, you are not of this world. And yet the greatest temptation for Christians is to be bound by the system of this world. I'm not advocating some kind of anarchy. And there are some practical things that will invite, Jesus will invite us. There are natural laws that you cannot break. I get that. But when I talk about supernatural things, it is both practical and impractical, and that's the problem. It seems impractical, and yet the operations of the supernatural always relates to the practical things of life. I think a supernatural healing brings about practical health. He knows what I'm talking about. Right? Isaac, Hannah, when you get the prophecy, it seems impractical when you get that prophecy. Now, the practical application is you've got a business happening. And it's going to grow, right? Amen. So anything that is of the supernatural may seem improbable, impractical, impossible, but that's the very nature of the supernatural. Once you're able to ask, this is what T.D. Jake says, if you can see the invisible, you will do the impossible. Everything begins from the invisible realm. In fact, Hebrews tells us that God didn't create the world out of nothing, but he created from the invisible, which means it can't be seen by the natural eyes, but there are a different set of eyes that you need to have to see it to see it manifest. That God saw you there, right? You were actually already created in the invisible realm, which is the supernatural realm. For the Word of God says in Psalms 139, Before you were formed, I knew you. Come on, are you hearing me? Are you doing okay? I love how Jesus was able to say things that just blows our minds away about this two worlds that he was always living in. Even to the thief on the cross when the thief said, you know, don't forget me. Jesus says, today, right now you're in paradise. What's that about? That's a supernatural moment. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Did you hear that? What, what did Jesus do? What did God call Jesus to do? To do what? 
in that scripture. To do good. Somebody say good. Right? To do good. And then the scripture begins to give us what doing good in God's eyes means. He was healing the sick. He was setting captives free. He was setting people free from the oppression of the enemy. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what the gospel is all about. Everything that we do is about setting people free from a system of the world that leads them in a, to, towards a life outside of God. That's what said. That's what doing good is. I remember I heard a preacher one time, and he said that God anointed Jesus to bring good news to the poor. And and he went on to say, "What is good news to the poor?" Then he said, "Money is good news to the poor." Well, I I came from a poor society, and I'm telling you, money is not good news to the poor. Jesus is good news to the poor. Someone ain't hearing me. If someone doesn't know how to handle money, the last thing you need to give them is money. Right? Why do we need to be supernatural? Because the church is called to be supernatural. How do I know that? When when Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 16 asked the disciples, Who do you think I am? They said, You know, Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And Jesus responds, Flesh and blood the natural realm did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And then Jesus stepped on a platform and he says, now Peter, you are rocking upon this rock, the rock of revelation that he spoke about, who Jesus was and is, I will build my church, the nature of the church that's birth came out of a supernatural revelation. And within that revelation, Jesus gave him two things. And it says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right at the birth of the church prophetically, Jesus declared that the church will be engaged in a spiritual war. For the rest of its natural life, I told Jesus would bring it. And it says, and the, and the church must prevail against the assault, the attack, and the schemes and the assignment of hell to prevail on the earth. Come on, you hear me? And the gates of hell will not prevail. And then he says to Peter, and now I give you the keys of a brand new Toyota Corolla. No, that's not what he said. He says, Peter, now I give you the keys of the kingdom. That's supernatural, folks. He said, I'm going to give you the key how to build a better business. He said, I'm going to give you a key to be a better husband. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom, a supernatural key. And he says, whatever you bind on earth will get bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus bridged the gap between the natural and the supernatural through his does that really mean to me, Pastor? When I wake up tomorrow morning and go to work. Am I going to go to work and say, anybody here is a devil? Come to me. I'm going to handle you. That may be. If that's the case, then <laughs> go for it and don't get some. Amen. 
Does it mean I'm going to get on Facebook and start posting everything? What does it mean to you on a daily basis to live this metaphor, to be in this moment, to be present? It means to understand that we are not of this world, first of all. When you walk into your workplace, when you go to your to university, when you go to school, you understand that though you're in it, you are not of it. Scripture, over and over again, Romans 12, 2, we all know what it says. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be conformed by the renewing of your mind. Why would the Bible tell us that? Because we, whether we like it or not, conform to world systems. Now let me be practical and say to you that there are things that you have conformed to, like paying taxes. Right? There are some things that, yes, you got to do out of necessity and out of legal issues and out of practicalities, but that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a mindset. It's about having a mindset of faith. Philippians 3.20, it says, but our citizenship is in, how many can finish that scripture for me? In heaven. Right? What I love about our church is that we are a multicultural church from different nationalities, different backgrounds. It's amazing. I love it. You know why? Because though we have different cultures, we only really have one main culprit, and that is the culture of Jesus. Amen? That's what he says. Ephesians 6.12 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Right? But against rulers and against authorities and against you know, um, cosmic powers. Come on, this just sounds like a script from Marvel. Think about it. The Bible's not fiction. If the Bible is not fiction, it's reality. It's the reality that most Christians don't have access to. Not because they're not supposed to have, or they're not, not because they're blocked from it, but because they don't understand or know it or maybe even deny it. Your fight is not against your father-in-law or maybe not even your spouse. That's unreasonable. It's always the other person that's unreasonable, right? Your fight is not against people that have violated you, offended you. Your fight is against something And sometimes we try to take authority of the wrong thing and ended up losing, end up losing the real authority that we have in the supernatural. I've got tons of testimony, but I can't share all of them with you this morning. Hallelujah. Let me say I need you to know this. You know, if you want to go to to your work this week to understand that the kingdom you belong to is not the kingdom of heaven. That's the wrong thing. It's the kingdom of God that is both within you and the kingdom that is in you and the kingdom that is not in you. Remember those two things. They're all happening at the same time in the economy of God's timetable. Jesus said in 
John 18:36, if you take any note, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. You know what Jesus is saying? I don't have to fight for my kingdom. Isn't that kind of new here? I don't have to fight for my kingdom. But you know that righteousness in our society today would seem to be fighting for some kind of social justice. For this believe a false sense of equality towards gender issues and leftist agenda. And I would even throw a stone at you for doing that. But I believe in your very, very, very father. Right? No one fights for the Christian vote just because as soon as somebody stands for a Christian, that's what the Bible says. We get stoned by the society to say you're, you're a bigot or you're discriminatory. No, I'm quoting the word of God. Can I just say to you that the Bible is discriminatory? Not in the same aspect that you think it is, no. The Bible is very clear about righteousness. The Bible is clear about sin. The Bible is very clear about everything else. It's, it's pretty black on about a lot of stuff. And, and I, that's not to judge anybody. It's just to let us understand the reality of what the Word of God is saying. But here's the good news about the Word of God. As much as there there is punishments and, and reward and, and all that stuff, the grace of God makes God's kingdom available for all. That it was never God's desire for anybody to perish, but to live a life abundantly with him in this life and the life that is to come. And that is the gospel message. The gospel message is not to tell people you're going to hell. That's not the gospel message. The gospel message to say, hey, there's a better life for you that God's called you into. Not the life that you're living now, but a life that has been has not been fully realized because you've been blinded by the system of this world and its natural course towards self-destruction. See, that's what a supernatural life does. It breaks the curse of the natural world from your life. Come on, are you hearing me? So, here we go. I'm going to finish in the next five to 20 minutes. No, seriously, folks, it, it, it's not that long. All right. You doing okay? Are you, give me a way to get in this. How many would know the roadblocks towards living a supernatural life? Because I don't get a chance to say this again. The five roadblocks. All right, five roadblocks towards a supernatural life. The first one is this, doubt. Doubt leads to unbelief, and unbelief leads to rebellion. Doubt begins with a question, a skepticism. Enough to neutralize whatever it is that God wants to do in truth and with you. Jesus said, you only need a mustard seed of faith. Can I just say, the reciprocal of that is you only need a mustard seed of faith. In the same manner, 
You either believe fully or you don't. That's it. You believe in what God is saying or you don't believe it at all. There's no gray area. There's not, I, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I pray to God once in a while. No, you believe in him or you don't believe in him. Either you belong to him or you don't belong to him. It's pretty clear cut. There are two kingdoms of war for your life. Choose which kingdom you're going to live by. See, the disciples couldn't cast out a demon from a boy in Matthew chapter 17. And they couldn't cast it out. And, and the man says, your disciples couldn't do it. And Jesus said, okay, how long am I going to hang out with you boys that have no faith at all? And it says, because of your unbelief, you didn't cast out the, the disciples asked Jesus. And even further on, Jesus said, these things don't come out unless by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Cast out devils. No, no, no. Prayer and fasting submits your flesh. So you can have faith. Prayer and fasting does not give you more power. It just lessens the power of your flesh. So your spirit could rise. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me? All right. Let's keep moving, right? Now, here's the wisdom key. If you've got doubt as a blocker, it's a blocker. Nothing of the supernatural promise of God is built into reality to our flesh. Understand that. Which means if doubt can block the supernatural things of God, faith can overdevise them. Okay? Number two. You guys are listening really slow at the moment, so I'm okay. Number two, desire. Somebody say desire. Desire is something that is within us. Passion is within us. But let me take desire to another place, and I'm going to call it appetite. How many of you have appetite? How many have favorite food, favorite sports? It's your appetite. It is your desire. You are naturally built and, and created with desire. But you, the reason it's there so that you can desire God, so you can delight in God. That is why it's there, not to delight the world. But to desire God, in fact, First John tells us, anybody who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Desire is neutral. It's the object of your desire that is known. You hearing me? So whatever it is you're addicted to or you have a habit towards all the time, you need to call it. Why is this important? Because it's always our fleshly desires that drive us away from our spiritual desires. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 22, he says, Walk therefore in the Spirit, so you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You get that? Walk in the Spirit. It's a supernatural walk, so you don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Your flesh will always draw you to itself. When you fast in July, your flesh will say you're hungry. I guarantee you that's not a prophecy. It's real. It's going to happen. Right? You're going to say, oh, I'm sure I can probably break a little. God will understand. He probably can. And most people can understand. But our desire, at the Garden of Eden, it was the desire that took them out of the plans of God. Esau, when he was really hungry, 
from the field after hunting. He goes back to Jacob and, and says, I'm really hungry. Give us something to eat. And Jacob says, I got nothing but lentil soup. You know, I don't care about lentil soup. Give it to me. He said, no, 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 no. Give me your inheritance first. And Esau says, what good is my inheritance for me if I'm going to die of starvation? Take it, but give me a bowl of soup. our desire and appetite can be lost on what God wants us to do. Somebody say, God is gracious. Yes, he is. And the grace is this. We get a chance to get it right today. What about tomorrow? I can't plan for tomorrow. I can only plan for today. Yes, I can things, but but today is the moment in which you become present to what God is calling you to do. You don't wait tomorrow. You don't procrastinate. You don't put it off. I'm doing okay. Here's the wisdom key about desire. Live by the Spirit and you'll control the flesh. Number three, supernatural blocker is dishonor. <laughs> that sounds very unspiritual. Pastor, in Mark chapter 6, verses 5 to 6, Jesus made a staggering statement. He goes back to his own hometown, and he says, the people are offended by me. And in the same chapter, he says, for a prophet has no honor in his hometown. And the Bible says, because of the offense of the people, they did not believe him. And because of that, Jesus was not able to perform any miracles, although he performed some healing here and there, he couldn't operate in the fullness that God has called him to, to, to operate in because of dishonor. That's why the Bible says, honor one another above all. Outdo one another with honor. Come on, are you hearing me? I was, um, I was with, with Jason and Susie before they left, and they said, we're so blessed by our church. The love, the support they got as they left, and the people came to them and just honored them. They were so blessed. I want to thank you for that. I'm not saying you're dishonorable because sometimes pastors preach messages to guilt you. <laughs> you, you. You ever heard those guys? They preach a message to try to guilt you. I don't do that. I let God guilt you. I just preach the message that God tells me. Is that okay? Y'all quiet this morning. Come on, crowd burning. What am I doing? Might have to get you up here to get some healthy dose. Why is offense? Offense brings dishonor. All right? So here's the wisdom key about this. While dishonor neutralizes the power of God, honor is the commodity that releases the supernatural in your life. Realize that. Um, Jesus said this. How do I know that? Because Matthew 10, 41 says this. It just so happens we got a prophet coming this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Another translation, the one who honors will receive the reward accordingly. Number four. Are you good? I got two minutes. Number four, distraction. Stay focused, Tristan. Distraction. It's a joke. Oh, Jesus. 
Destruction. It's a lack of focus and double-mindedness. James 1.8 says, if you're double-minded, you'll receive nothing from heaven. In a roundabout way, if you're asking for wisdom, you feel double-minded, your prayers can't be answered. Why is that? Your double-mindedness can bring doubt. I often find when God tells me to do something, do it quickly. Do it quickly. You know why? Because I think too much. You know, I, I was just recently, God said to me, give this guy this much money. I said, I don't have that money, Lord. And I look at my pocket, I have that money. I said, oh, I could use that money for something. And I start to think about what that money would be used for. God says, give the money. So quickly, I took the money and he gave it away. A few days later, I saved up enough money to do something else. And God says, give it away. I said, no, it's for something else. And I started to work out in my mind. When God tells you something, be single-minded about it. Do it and do it quickly. Even when Jesus was being betrayed by Judas, don't say to him, just get out of here and do what you got to do. Don't get double-minded about this. Maybe Judas was trying to think, maybe I should or shouldn't. Distraction is one of the killers. You could be in the center of the will of God, doing something for God. Because of distraction, you could miss what God is wanting to do in that moment. When Peter was walking in the water, he was in the supernatural realm. Who knows what I'm talking about? Can you imagine? You jumped off the boat. He said, Jesus, if that's you, then let me come to you. Jesus, says, come on out. Gets off the boat and starts walking on the water. Thinking, I'm walking on water. Jesus is on the water. I'm going towards him. He sees a wind blue wave. He looks. He sinks. Think about it. He was on the same water that he walked on, but he sank in. You can be in the same place of the miraculous and succeed and fail at the same time because of distraction. Because of shifting your thoughts, shifting your mind, shifting your heart. So the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Come on, somebody. The author and the finisher of our faith. Come on. Somebody give the Lord a hand because God is God is in the business of getting you to where he needs you to be. Amen. And number five. Here we go. Number five supernatural blocker is disconnection. When somebody is disconnected, distance will happen in the And yet, the command of Jesus to his disciples in his church is this. In John chapter 15, he says, abide in me. As I abide in you, for you can do nothing outside of me. Do you hear that? The question is, the whole thing about walking in the supernatural is not about doing it on your own. It's not about just following your plans. It's about staying in close proximity with Christ. Your proximity with Him determines your potency. The closer you are with Jesus, the more potent you are in the realm. And you'll start to find yourself walking in places 
that are miraculous, something that God has prepared before you, it's not because God is working so hard to make things work for you. It's because the thing that he has already completed for you, you'll find yourself begin to walk into. Not because you're proud, not because you're smart, not because you're good looking, it's because you are with him. None of those things, doubt, distraction, desire. What's the other one? Dishonor and disconnect. Those things will block you from walking daily in the supernatural things of God. And finally, what does it mean really to pastor? I'm not going to go and lay hands on all my coworkers. What it means is that something will come up in your life, maybe daily or maybe at some point where you're going to say, I can't. I don't have the strength or power to fix this. And in that moment, you need to be present to know that you are equipped, you are called. Come on. You have the authority and the access to his kingdom, to see his kingdom manifest in that situation in your life. Whether it's your family, your business, your ministry, whatever it might be, you are on the winning side. Stay on the side. Amen? You doing okay? Because I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taking that's a good thing. Amen. Here's what I want to pray for this morning. And and I guess what I want to do is this. I want to release the church if you need to go. I have morning tea for the worship team to come up. I just want to open the altar at this moment. If you guys could just probably um, just sing one of your songs. Background there, so I'm going to release the church. If you're going to take up time up here, just quietly do that. The Holy Spirit just really put this in my heart today. How many of you this morning? And this is what the Lord said to me this morning: just really say, Ken, I want my people to be present. I want my people to be present. So, and and while I was preaching, I was kind of having this conversation, this kind of two-way conversation while I'm talking to you, and kind of trying to. See what God is saying. And God really spoke to my heart. I want my people to be present. I said, Lord, I can't right now. He says, they're looking for my presence, but they'll never experience it unless they're present. To be presently aware of this amazing kingdom that Jesus has wrought in you. To be present with his with the awareness that God is always at work. I want my people to be present. You know, if you try to be clever, you know, you want God to show up and turn up. And it's not about attendance. This is about being in the moment where you, you are imbued by heaven to speak the right word, to respond the right way, 
And I'm going to tell you that I'm not always responding the right way. Just recently, I had a situation where I didn't just kind of have to go. I can't really share that publicly here. I shared that at the at the Bible passages. I was confronted with a situation where, you know, my flesh got in the way and I was between conflict. It was kind of bad. It was kind of bad. But God wants us to be present with Him. Amen. So what we're going to do is let's all stand to our feet. And I speak blessings over you. Thank you for coming along. Don't forget next week that's happening from Friday night, 7 p.m. and 6.30 Saturday and and also Sunday. Don't miss those. Bring somebody along. It's going to be life-changing. I love Darren. He's a good friend. He's a good man of God. And it will be life-changing for so many people. I want to pray for you. The leaders, the elders that are here, pastors, whoever can pray with you. You say, I've got some blockers in my life that blocks the supernatural. Pastor, I got some things in my life that block that. I don't care if you think you're a cessationalist, one that doesn't believe that the work of God is continuing after the disciples, or those who are extreme that unless you're operating at this level, I don't really care about that. What I care is that you want to be present in the moment. That heaven requires something of you. You want to be present in the faith where you need to to express faith in that moment. You want to be present when God says, you need to pray for somebody. Be present in that moment and be willing and ready. You need to be present when God says, I want you to buy the stocks now. I want you to sell your shares now. You want to be present, led by the Spirit of God in doing those things. You want to be present in the moment God says, start a business or close a business. You want to be present in the moment when God says, it's time for you to ask your boss for a raise. Come on, somebody. You want to be present in the moment God says, I want you to get education because I'm going to take you to a new direction. In your. You want to be present in the moment when God supernaturally gives you instructions towards your future with him now. That's supernatural. That's practical supernatural. Naturally, supernaturally practical. Right? It's not pragmatism. Like, you know, if it works, it works. Unless it works, it's not real. If you want prayers, I want to be present. So wherever I go, that I know that God's with me. Like, I'm not talking about just a state of mind, but knowing, like really knowing his presence and, and, and him pressing on your heart to know, to direct you towards the right places. Somebody here been called by God to the ministry. You need to learn this now. Amen. Amen. You have just listened to a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au and be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available.